Online. Welcome to Catholic View on this Tuesday evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Coming up in today's broadcast, I'll be bringing you updates from the ACTS meeting that was held in Rome last week. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Tuesday evening, a look at Pope Francis' homily at Daily Mass. Bishops of Nigeria speak out on situation in the country. And South Sudan retired Catholic bishop to receive peace prize. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Birish. At this morning's daily mass at the Casa Santa Marta, Pope Francis encouraged those who suffer to draw near to the Lord. The Holy Father reflected on today's gospel from St. Luke, which tells how Jesus raised the son of the widow of Naim from the dead. He explained how in the Old Testament, the poorest of the slaves were precisely the widows, the orphans, the strangers and the foreigners. And the recurring invitation is to care for them, to ensure that they are inserted into and a part of society. Jesus, said Pope Francis, is able to see the details because he sees with the heart he has compassion. The Catholic bishops of Nigeria have issued a statement at the end of their recent plenary expressing solidarity with suffering and deprived citizens in the country, calling York reports. This comes in response to what they've described as a situation marked by tension, agitation and a general sense of hopelessness and dissatisfaction. In their communique, the bishops have attributed the unfortunate situation in the country to years of injustice, inequity, corruption and impunity. They say that since the founding of Nigeria, too much attention has been focused on sharing the national cake rather than on baking that cake by first building a strong and stable nation. The bishops have called on government at all levels urgently to address the problems of the country, remove everything that smacks of injustice, and give everybody and every part of the country a sense of belonging. Bishop Emeritus Paride Taban of the Catholic Diocese of Torit in South Sudan has been awarded the 2017 Africa Peace Award of the United Religions Initiative, URI. The award is in recognition of his outstanding work in promoting a culture of peace, interfaith harmony, cultural values, human dignity, human rights and solidarity on the common good for all. Calling York Hesmo. Bishop Taban's visionary and extraordinary leadership and great contribution in founding the Holy Trinity Kuran Peace Village in 2000 was also considered in choosing him for the 2017 award. He said the village was born from his dream of a community where people with different ethnicities and different religious backgrounds could live side by side with confidence, 
in harmony and fellowship. The bishop will receive the award this Thursday at All Saints Cathedral in South Sudan's capital, Juba. According to Fatsa Ogeko's head of the UN Commission of Inquiry in Burundi, torture, rape and arbitrary detention in Burundi may amount to crimes against humanity. Violence erupted in that country after President Pierre Nkurunziza won a controversial third term in office in 2015. Fatsa explains. We picked up a certain type of serious violation of human rights which are conducted in the framework of generalized attack or systematized attack against the population, the civil population. Among those serious violations, we have identified a certain of numbers of them which might constitute crimes against humanity. I said might constitute because we are working on the level of proof which is a little bit lower than the one of a judicial body. Among those crimes, I would mention torture, murder, rape and sexual violence. I know it's, it's impossible to quantify the numbers because you haven't got access for one thing to the country, yes. but you have had access to more than 500 testimonies. Yes. And you say that arbitrary detentions, possibly in their thousands, yes. cases of torture in their hundreds, cases of rape, dozens, but that's really just scratching the surface. Yes, exactly. And you just mentioned the basis on which we have reached our conclusions, about 500 testimonies. So our inquiry is not totally exhaustive given the time which was given to us and the means as well as resources, human resources. So on the basis of those 500, we have given this pure estimation. It's very difficult to give precise numbers in dozens. And I, I guess people might say, well, if you haven't got access to the country, what is the point of this particular report? You were set up a year ago by the Human Rights Council. How are you going to apply pressure to make sure that those who are responsible are brought to justice? Because you say there is raging impunity within the country. It's not up to the Commission to raise pressure against the government of Burundi. Our mandate consists essentially in a mapping of the situation of human rights and examine the scale of the violations and determine some crimes against humanity as well as identify the author of those violations. We did our job. So now it's up to the Human Rights Council and other stakeholders to take decision and to make pressure. The founder of a school for orphan children in Nigeria has won a top United Nations award. The UNHCR's Nansen Refugee Award honors people who dedicate their lives to helping victims of war. Zana Mustapa has helped children whose parents were killed by the armed group Boko Haram. He also helped secure the deal to release school girls held by the armed group. Catherine Soy reports from Medjugorje in northeastern Nigeria. Zana Mustafa founded the Future Pro-West Islamic Foundation 10 years ago. His mission is to do what Boko Haram is fighting against, provide education and help war widows. For that, he's won a UN Humanitarian Award. Having seen the earlier people that got this award, like Enelie Roosevelt, a former first lady of the United States. And if we are talking of, in, in the African context, the like of Mualimu Julius Nerere. So these are, this, this person is an African icon. So if I can, I see, no, I don't, I don't see myself being measured up to these sort of people. But I, I, I'm short of words. 
Over the years, Boko Haram fighters have burned schools, killed and kidnapped students. The abduction of more than 200 girls from a boarding school in Chibok three years ago shocked many. Mustafa was involved in negotiating the release of some of the girls. Many children are no longer safe in their home villages. Some are being used to attack markets, camps for displaced people and other targets. More than 5,000 people live here in Muna camp on the outskirts of Maiduguri. The camp's been attacked several times this year, including by children who are used by Boko Haram as suicide bombers. People in this camp are worried. What they are making these children do is very sad. We just want peace. Mustafa has given children a safe haven, but says that as long as many others out there are unprotected and threatened, his job is far from over. Into other news, millions of people are dying prematurely from diseases such as cancer and heart disease, and many governments are making only limited progress in controlling them. That's according to a new report from the World Health Organization, WHO, which indicates that much greater political will is needed to beat these non-communicable diseases, also known as NCDs. Daniel Johnson has more. Non-communicable diseases are the world's biggest killers. They claim the lives of 15 million 30 to 70-year-olds a year. Almost 80% of deaths are in the developing world, where the cost to economies has been estimated at $7 trillion. But some states have invested in wide-ranging reform to bring the fatality rate down. These include Costa Rica and Iran, which have seen most success in tackling high-salt and saturated-fat diets, according to WHO, followed by Brazil, Bulgaria, Turkey and the UK. Elsewhere, the picture is more mixed, indicating increasing numbers of people at risk, particularly youngsters. Dr. Douglas Betcher is WHO's Director for the Prevention of Noncommunicable Diseases. The window of opportunity to save lives is closing. This is playing out before our eyes in many ways, including increasing numbers of people, particularly children and adolescents suffering from obesity, overweight and diabetes. If we don't take action now to protect people from NCDs, we will condemn today's and tomorrow's youth, the lives of ill health and reduced economic opportunities. Dr. Betcher said that urgent action is needed by the international community if it is to cut NCD deaths by one-third, a sustainable development goal target. And finally, Pope Francis has set up a new pontifical institute for the study of marriage and the family, replacing the organization set up by his predecessor in 1981. In a motto proprio published on Tuesday, the Vatican announced that the John Paul II Pontifical Theological Institute for Marriage and Family Sciences is being established to carry forward the work of the two recent synods of bishops and the apostolic exhortation Amoris Laetitia. Noting the important work that has been carried out by the regional institute, founded in the wake of the 1980 Synod on the Family, Pope Francis says the synods of 2014 and 2015 have brought a renewed awareness of the new pastoral challenges to which the Christian community is called to respond. And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today.
Thank you once again for joining me this Tuesday evening. I'm Sheila Pirge and you are listening to Catholic View. Coming up next is our feature program and today we look at some of the updates from the recently concluded ACTS meeting which took place in Rome. Rome was the host city for the international meeting of Catholic tertiary students. Now, to find out more about what happened during that meeting, we speak to the president of ACTS, Association of Catholic Tertiary Students of South Africa, Cabello Sejapo. Let me say humble greetings to our listeners at home, um, young people across the nation, and special acts and special greetings to the ACTS community. Well, to begin with, the International Movement of Catholic Students organized an international council which took place from the 28th of August to the 8th of September under the theme Building Bridges, Protecting Migrants by Empowering Students. So the purpose of the gathering was to provide student leaders with a better understanding of the global migration phenomenon that includes its challenges as well as implications associated with it. And this was done with an intention to contribute to the common good and justice for the migrants and refugees throughout the world. Of course, it realized that um, one of the things that the International Council pointed out when the presenters were busy giving information is that migration as a phenomenon in most of the countries is ignored. And even in terms of research, it is ignored. So it is within our responsibility and within ourselves as student leaders to ensure to ensure to eat that we empower ourselves about migration and issues or implications associated with migration and we also go back home to empower young people about migration and how as association of young people we may respond to the call of the Holy Father. You remember that um, the Holy Father Pope Francis when he was speaking on his address, on the occasion of the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, he mentioned four things, and that is to welcome, to protect, to promote, and to integrate migrants and refugees into our societies. So that was the whole purpose of the International Council organizing an International Council, I mean the International Movement of Catholic Students organizing an International Council on this theme about building bridges, protecting migrants by empowering students. So that was the whole purpose of it. We're talking about migrants and refugees who are usually not welcomed in most countries, especially in poor countries or developing countries, whereby in a place, for example, in South Africa, whereby you have so much youth unemployment, you have a lot of crime. What were some of the debates that came about, um, especially from you guys representing South Africa, seeing that South Africa is also the home to a number of migrants and refugees? Yeah. No, thank you. Um, you know, during out or throughout the presentations, it was quite clear that there are numerous reasons that lead to people moving from one country to another, and it might be due to economic reasons. It might be to um, due to political instability or economic instability. So then, in our countries, what what was common about the presentation is that people move from one area to another in search for better living conditions or for better education, for better living sanitation and all those services. So then if you'd realize, I think if you can go back to the research, you'd find out that 
um, mobility of people has been a central feature of the growth and development of human civilization. So societies have been unable to provide just solutions to migration in accordance with human rights and international commitments because an international family would also have its own commitments as to how it can protect migrants and refugees throughout the world. So those, I think, are some of the things that all the presentations were agreeing upon to say the international community as a whole, it is failing to protect migrants and it is failing to ensure that migrants, while they are seeking their own Iceland, um, their right to dignity or human dignity is being protected. So as a result of that, we said as the INCS, let us sit down after studying migration and all its implications associated with it. Let us sit down and now come up with what may we say? What are we saying when we go back to our countries? What are we saying to the local government? What are we saying to the church? And what are we saying to our own selves? What are we committing ourselves to? We drafted a declaration to which I, 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 I wish to go through its point so that it will tap out what actually we did and we had agreed upon so that when we get to our, own, our countries, we have something that we should carry out throughout um, our countries. So one of them was to... Um, the international movement of Catholic students calls upon all governments and local authorities and other political entities too. I will read all the points that we had agreed upon whenever we asked, um, when we were seated at the um, International Council. So the first was to respect and recognize the human rights of all migrants searching for a better life away from their countries of origin. Do everything possible to welcome political refugees into our society and ensure that while their Iceland hearing is ongoing, their human rights are protected and they are given the right to work and support themselves as to guarantee good quality of life because you cannot deny those people an opportunity for them to work while their Iceland hearing is ongoing because if you deny them an opportunity to work, you are saying that they may not be able to support themselves. They may not be able to have a good quality of life as human beings as themselves. As human beings, as human beings themselves. As a result of that, their human dignity is disrespected, one might say. So we also say um, local authorities should engage all stakeholders in community, and this is why this is where we also um, come in as association of young people. We should engage all stakeholders in community where refugees have settled to foster understanding and prevent discrimination and xenophobia. Recognize the unique circumstances of economic migrants, both voluntarily and involuntarily, and with all, um, work with all stakeholders to protect migrants. It realized that there are some researchers who distinguish between a migrant and a refugee, but what is common between the two is that both of them are moving from one place to another. In most instances, a refugee might be moving from his country of origin to the country of destination, being forced by some of the reasons outlined above, your um, political instability and, and war and other natural disasters that might occur. But a migrant, though they are also compelling um, economic reasons that might force them to move, but a migrant might move from one area to another voluntarily. So those are some of the people, in most instances, they do not encounter any problems, as opposed to the ones that are moving from the country of origin to another country, due to forced reasons. We may refer to them as um, involuntary migrants. So what we are doing, again, is to call the local gov um, government, local authorities, and other structures we may work with 
to work towards bringing about a just solution to the conflict of um, to the conflict and crisis of the police. Because of our responsibility as young people is to ensure that we fight for social justice, we fight for human rights, and we also fight for um, um, equality of recognition of people because we are all human beings. So we should be treated equally and we should be respected and we should respect one another as people, never mind where one comes from. And we should implement the fully commitments made under Paris Agreement and work with all stakeholders to combat climate change as to help prevent the impeding climate of refugees. Now here are two some of the things most important ones that we as young people say this is what we commit ourselves to. Because as much as we call local government, as much as we call other structures to come on board and assist us to empower ourselves, because before we can act, we need to empower ourselves as leaders, we need to empower ourselves as young people, we need to empower also our members so that when we go out, we are definitely sure that we have empowered ourselves far enough as far as knowledge is concerned in respect to all these contemporary issues in our society. So the first one is we should ensure that our commitment, and this is what we also call the church to do, welcome migrants and refugees into parishes and Catholic communities. This will ensure that you recognize each of them as an equal human person with full dignity and identity to strive toward a shared experience in faith, bringing one another closer to Christ throughout our actions and prayers. And the last one is that we should engage with members of other faiths and Christian denominations to combat xenophobia and foster an enabling environment for the integration of migrants into the society. And if we can successfully do this, it means we will be at least moving one step ahead in terms of advocating for migrants and refugees because we need to advocate for them. We need to ensure that they are protected as human beings because running from one country to another seeking an island, it means you are running from fear. So if a brother or a sister is running from a particular country to another country in, in, with an intention to get protection from the country of um, destination, what that person needs is protection. What that person needs is at least good quality of life, just like any other human being never mind where they might be coming from. Of course, there are legal implications around here. So we also need to um, go into all these legal entities and get advices in terms of the legal implications associated with migrants, associated with migration as a phenomenon rather, and what may we start with or what may we do in advocating for them as young people. Because in order for us to do so, we need to have a broader and a deeper understanding of migration as a phenomenon. We need to ensure that we do this in accordance with our South African legal system. So we need to do this again in consultation with our church leaders to ensure that whatever we do, it is in accordance with the principles of the country or the principles of the Constitution and the principles of the Catholic Church. Because we also encourage young people to read and understand the Catholic social teachings of the Church. The Catholic social teachings actually are quite clear in terms of addressing all these societal issues that we are facing with. So even if we can have an understanding of that, we will clearly and confidently apply all these solutions to our society. 
in order for us to ensure that we protect our migrants. And one last thing is that we also plead with our members to come on board to communicate with the leadership in terms of what may be done, what structures may we approach, what government bodies may we approach, what migrant, apart from migration officials, what are these bodies that we may approach, what are these structures, especially youth-led structures that we may approach to work with for order to, um, to, to, to attain all these objectives. Because all this is just a dream. So this dream should be realized, and this dream should be realized with us working together for the betterment of the society and for the betterment of the country at large. So this calls again for all young people across each corner of the country to ensure that they wake up each country, I mean, at the corner of the, um, our country and ensure that they respond to this call of protecting migrants and refugees by advocating them. That's basically about it. Thank you so much for sharing this yes. with us. And I look yes. forward uh, to seeing this being implemented here in South Africa. And when it happens, I hope you will you'll contact us so that we are there to broadcast this, to show to the rest of the country that this is actually being implemented. They are not just mere words on paper. Definitely, definitely. Just maybe I may use this opportunity to just um, alert our members that we are having an NEC meeting this weekend. So this is where we believe that part of the agenda has this, as part of the agenda, our items on the agenda, for us to ensure that we are, um, our leaders are aware of this and we also get advices from our general members about structures that we may approach. So we are also calling for them to be active on social media, to be active and to be in constant communication with us so that they may advise us in terms of what may be done because for the fact that we are leaders does not necessarily mean that we know everything. We need to listen to them so that they may give us advices because this needs to be done as a collective. So it has to be a collective campaign. It has to be a collective goal that must be achieved by the collective, not necessarily by specific individuals. So we are also calling for them to be active in whatever we do. And, and thank you so much. And my thanks goes there to Cabello Sehapo, the president of ACTS, that is Association of Catholic Tertiary Students, who attended an international meeting of Catholic Tertiary Students uh, on the migration phenomenon welcoming migrants and refugees. And that's how we come to the end of today's broadcast of Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that this program is produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.